traveling through another dimension. Another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. But of mind. A journey into a wondrous land. land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Last year, I was fortunate enough to have the executive producers of the new Twilight Zone here on the show, Glenn Morgan, Audrey Chon, and Wynne Rosenfeld. And it's always strange when you're doing an interview like that because obviously they've got to be tight-lipped about the secrets of the show, but you've still got to ask questions and try and tease out certain things. But also, as a fan, you don't want to know too much either. So I think we did okay, but this year I thought it would be a good opportunity to perhaps sit down with one of them in a more conversational format. And now that season one is gone, have a conversation about that, you know, its development, the fan reaction to it, all of these things, you know, it kind of opened up the potential for conversation there. And again, to ask questions about season two, but obviously there's only so much you can really get into. So, so I was very pleased when friend of the show, Wynne Rosenfeld said he'd come back and have a chat with me about those things. And I think it is a good chat. I really enjoyed it. And it really made me feel that this is a group of people who have the best intentions for the Twilight Zone. So, so that's enough for me. Let's go over to my chat with Wynn Rosenfeld. Wynn, last time we spoke, I think I was so excited to hear about the new season of The Twilight Zone that I didn't even ask you about, you know, your history with The Twilight Zone and, and you know, what was important to you about it and maybe some of your favorites. So can we start with that? The Twilight Zone for me is a lot of things. I think growing up, what it was most acutely was a feeling mm. and a there's something that i got as a child that was so specific of a feeling it was on the verge of horror and horrifying and yet it was so always consistently fun mm -hmm. and well written that i always felt taken care of by the show. And, and so it's, it's funny, like, you know, so in a way, you know, there's a, there's a, there are a million episodes of Twilight Zone that I love. And I, I guess, you know, at the risk of sounding basic, I'm a, I'm a, 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 a time enough fan. Mm -hmm. um, although there's many that, many that I love, I think for me, what it unlocked in my, in terms of myself as a fan of movies and television, and also as a producer is a chasing that, feeling that mm. feeling in your stomach that feeling in your head that feeling of like oh this is like a little bit dangerous right this mm. is a little bit unexpected and the the thrill of that um is uh something i think that is very hard very hard to reproduce and, and um certainly something formative for me throughout my career yeah yeah i think you know without <laughs> wanting to sit here and praise you but there have been other iterations of the twilight zone after but i think for me this is the first time that i've actually thought this is the twilight zone you know so i, I think oh, that great. feeling kind of really does come through so congratulations on that 
Well, thank you. That's very, that's really meaningful to me. And, and I think if nothing, if, if we can, if we can end up giving people some shot of that, of mm-hmm. that, of that vibe, uh, then I think uh, we've we've succeeded. So I'm, I'm, and it means a lot coming from you because you are truly an expert among experts. Thank you, man. Thank you. Can we talk about season one a little bit before we talk about season two? Sure, happily. I would love to have been a fly on the wall for a lot of those conversations that you must have had when you were developing it. So maybe if we start with the, the kind of interconnectedness of the whole thing and how that came about, what, what was the plan with that? Well, I think we were, we were, you know, balancing a few different questions coming into it. Mm. And, you know, on one hand, there's a certain Hollywood orthodoxy that kind of points you towards never doing anthology. Right. And that the idea that and anthologies are traditionally very hard to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, they're hard to promote. And it's hard to maintain an audience from episode to episode, in part because you don't get to capitalize on any of the superpowers of television. Mm-hmm. So, like, so, so television, right? Its superpowers are you have a cliffhanger, you have characters that you're following episode after episode that you you, you feel like they're going somewhere and you want to go with them. Uh-huh. And so in on a, on a show that's successful in its first couple of episodes, a normal episodic show, it's, I think an audience feels like they'll, they can hang around for a bunch of bad episodes, mm-hmm. right? You know, just to know, just because they're invested in something that's sort of deeper than that. They know they're going to see that same, that same, that same character and they want to know where that person goes if they don't like the other things about it. Game of Thrones, right? I mean, there are people who, for example, who you know who would say well i can't stand the targaryens i don't care about danny mm-hmm. but i love hearing what's going on with the starks and the lannisters and so so i'll just stay you know i'll stay for the ride to get there yeah. an anthology presents an issue from an audience perspective because you're you're literally saying every episode new cast new director usually uh, n- new story and you've got to get in and out of each one of those episodes and have a fully satisfying experience and then that's not even enough because then what you need is to say to that person and trust us mm-hmm. that you should come back next week even though you're not going to get any of this shit that you love this time <laughs> part of my French and uh, and uh, you can bleep me I guess and and so the, the I'll try not to do that anymore um, uh, and so that's a very tricky, that's a, that, you know, that's, that's a tricky gambit. So, you know, one of the things was us trying to understand, well, you know, what does that mean? What are, what are, what are, what, how, how do we approach a bar like mm-hmm. that? And I think it was very important to Jordan initially, the idea that, well, of course for us, it has to be a, a true anthology, right? It really, it's not the twilight zone. We're not doing the job if we're not doing that. That's not what this game is. And then we might as well just make a different show. And so where we started to find interconnectivity was thematically, right? In trying to find it in places, in tone, in mood, in arc, in, in the ways of keeping certain things very clear, the grammar of how the Twilight Zone talks to you as the audience and how it tries to provoke surprise um, and ultimately entertain you. And there has to be sort of a, there have to be rules to that. Yeah, And so, you know, the main interconnectivity on our Twilight Zone actually comes through tone and right. it comes through moral point of view. 
Right. So like, you know, you know, the thing, you know, look, I don't think there's any secret coming from monkey paw or if you Googled my Twitter, you know, I, how I feel how Jordan feels about the world, the things politically where we stand and what ethically, how we feel about race, about women, about immigration, about freedom to choose a, a, a variety of things is very clear. And so I think what the twilight zone reflects for us is an expression of that worldview. And I think mm-hmm. that's really the, that's really the glue. I think that holds it, uh, that holds it together. Yeah, yeah. Now that said, there are some more literal things, right? I mean, there are, you know, you know, the, the, if we have a diner, we have to, con- we have to challenge ourselves to figure out in what cases is it not going to be a busy bee. And uh, <laughs> you know, and there, there are some, there are some things like that where, you know, we're playing with some, some literal touch tones that are, are winks, our Easter eggs are um, uh, pieces of more literal interconnectivity, but uh, I think it's I think mostly it's about that first point. Mm. It's mostly about theme and tone. Do you pay much attention to the internet chatter around the show? A little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do pay a little bit. Uh, I do pay a little bit of attention to it. I mean, I try to sort of stay. I, I I don't I don't come from the school of thought of like I don't care what anyone thinks. Like mm. you know, here I mean, I I just. I just fundamentally think that that's a position that I don't uh, look, I'm not trying to judge other artists and other producers. Um, but for me, you know, we are making something designed to be enjoyed by mm. human beings. So if the idea is, well, here's my perfect vision, I'm turning it in and I want to be bothered no longer. I care not how it lands. Um, that just to me is just like not uh-huh. television, right? That's not, that's not the idea. The idea is to connect with people. So I have paid attention to uh, internet chatter. I don't get lost on it, to be honest, but yeah. And sometimes it's very rewarding and sometimes it's crushingly devastating. Yeah. Um, But uh, I don't mean, look, it's, that's what we do. Right. Uh uh The reason I ask is I suppose one of the criticisms of season one from, from some quarters was that it was maybe too political and it was coming down too much on one side of the political spectrum. I mean, what, what would your response to that be? I think I would take that as a note about something different than what I, I read that criticism as valid from someone's opinion to feel that way. And ultimately what I take away from it is that person did not enjoy the show, Mm -hmm. but I disagree that it's about, how political it was that the idea of its point of view is i think you could argue that for for what what we were trying to do our execution didn't meet the mark for that person that what it was for them we weren't clever enough we weren't provocative enough we didn't find a way to to connect with them in the in a um in a way that resonated with them i the idea that somehow you're supposed to make the twilight zone in 2019 and 2020 uh pretending like it's not commenting on the actual world just feels non nonsensical to me and and i i guess i you know i don't begrudge anyone their opinions and feelings about it but i suspect that in those cases it's even less ultimately about the subject matter and the point of view and probably more about how our execution happened to land with those individual. But I'm also of the opinion that a lot of things these days seem to be lumped in with kind of political things that aren't necessarily political because point of origin 
was about immigration. Yes. Immigration is political on how you handle it in terms of, uh, you know, the flow of people, what who comes in, who doesn't come in, et cetera, et cetera. That, that's political to me. But Point of Origin was saying, at the core of this, there are people. You've got to remember that these are people we're talking about. Yeah. So that's where I, I feel the criticism wasn't particularly fair when we're talking about things like that, because I do think a lot of things get lumped in with politics when actually that was a humanitarian episode for me. I, I'm glad you feel that way. I mean, I look, I, I think so too. I mean, I, 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 you know, there's, it's political, right. In the sense, if you're a, if you're fortunate enough to not be somebody who was kicked out of the country because of a draconian law, it's political. If you're not someone who's, had your child locked up in a cage in the American Southwest. Mm -hmm. And so, but, 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 but for those people, that's real, you know, that is an actual thing that is really happening, uh, in the world. So I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. I guess it's easy for me to agree with you on that, but I, <laughs> I do agree nonetheless that, um, uh, you know, there's, there's this idea that there's like the political stuff and then the real world stuff. Mm -hmm. that's not how I think about art really in general. I mean, I think they're always interrelated and yeah. they should be. And by the way, that doesn't mean that they can't be escapist, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, there's part of me that feels like maybe part of the criticism of those people is that I don't want to think about that right now. Yeah. You know, that part of the criticism is I don't want that in my, in my head right now. And in that case, and by the way, a lot of people, I had a lot of positive um, response to that episode. Mm -hmm. But I would say, you know, for some people, they just couldn't get the catharsis out of it because it was challenging. And in which case, you know, who am I to tell them if they, you know, they, they, you know, I like fish, they like chicken. Uh, I'm, we'd love nothing more than for those people to be engaged and enjoy them and enjoy themselves. But, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think we're ever going to find ourselves in a situation where we're going to run away from a, from a topic uh, because of political reasons. Let's talk about something maybe a bit more fun, I guess. Okay. Rod sailing at the end. Yes. What a moment. So could we talk about, you know, your conversations about that, how you developed that? Yes. Yeah. 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 You know, there's a few, there's a, there's a, there was part of us that always felt like, you know, the other thing that seems like a necessary ingredient for any iteration of Twilight Zone is Rod Serling. And I think I was pretty, you know, even in our conversation last year, I mean, I think the, the, I mean, we're essentially in awe of him mm -hmm. and continue to be, and that in many ways, you know, we, we, uh, we are honored, uh, to be carrying this torch, mm -hmm. but let's make no mistake about whose torch it is. And so for us, we found finding a way to integrate literal Rod Serling, uh, into the uh, season was a goal from almost the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of came together with this, with this story for us, uh, in a way that felt, uh, really, uh, organic. And so it was a, a, a delight, a really fun day on set and a totally surreal experience for Zazie and, and for Simon and Jordan and myself and, and Alex Rubens, the writer to be like, wow, this is actually, this mm -hmm. is actually happening. Went through a lot of iterations of that Rod Serling, by the way, that's not, not, not easy to do. <laughs> In what way? The visual of it? Yeah, to make it look real, you know, to give it any sort of sense of like, um, you know, the uncanny valley is like a really tricky, tricky thing. And, 
you know, it's, it's that, that, and our, our, you know, our, our visual effects teams are, I think remarkable for, uh, they, they do really amazing stuff at a really, really high level, but it's very difficult, you know, and, and you'll even see, I mean, if you look at, if you even look at, you know, some of the, the, the most cutting edge stuff that, you know, a few years ago from um, rogue one, right. Mm. Like look at how far, it's when Rogue One when that came out and you were sort of seeing the Leia and the you know that it was like it looked pretty good at the time, yeah. um, but three years later it's like already like twice as good, right? Yeah. And so twice as good again. And so it's trying to keep something that felt uh, that that felt like it was going to stand the test of time and not weird people out. We had some advantages, right? Because it was a dark, shadowy room, and he we wanted him to have this sort of low saturated kind of feeling to him, which would make him most recognizable. Uh-huh. Um, but it was there's a lot of iterations let's put let's put it that way i i think what i loved about it is it was good to see him but that rod got his kind of final closing narration because you know the bewitching pools the final episode of the twilight zone it's not really on anyone's favorite twilight zone list you know it's true. and it's true i don't think the closing narration is going to be on anyone's highlight list either but the fact that he got one more closing narration for me, that that was the thing that kind of put the lump in my throat. You know, I thought it was a beautiful moment. So thank you. That, that's great. I'm glad to hear you, hear you say that. And I, and I would just point out that, um, you know, in trying to figure out um, both sort of what he was saying, um, but also um, giving us something that would give him sort of do, give him sort of the what he what we felt was a curtain call he kind of deserved mm. i just can't say enough about um you know carol serling was super helpful and uh very engaged in trying to um you know make sure that we got all that right and um you know this this season is in many ways dedicated to her because yeah. you know she really helped helped us uh, as a guiding force both um spiritually and sometimes just literally of would Rod say this kind of thing? And, and, uh, it was great. You know, we're very, Counter was very lucky to have, to have her part of the, part of the family for as long as we did. The fact that you had that conversation with her kind of blows my mind, you know, discussing that moment with her, what was that like? She's such a, I mean, she was such a delight. Um, uh, I think, you know, she was always pushing the progress mm-hmm. part of the twilight zone. And it's funny, like, I think you probably, you know, you probably, there's probably a version of this where one would assume, well, no, she wants to, to be exactly the same and for it not to show not to evolve and not to move in different directions and try new things. And, you know, when we sent her the first episode that she saw, and I won't say what it was, uh, I won't say what it was, but just to say the first one that we were nervous oh, because yeah. it, had prof- it had profanity in it, right? And it was the first time someone was going to do this and we were playing the actual song and we were trying to, you know, and this is, was our cut at it and just this anxiety of like, oh my God, is she going to feel like we've like tarnished this legacy? And, um, you know, essentially her feedback was like so inspiring and so this idea of like, uh, really foregrounding uh-huh. the evolution of the brand, you know, of pushing forward. Of that's what the Twilight Zone is is about in any of its incarnations, and frankly, even between incarnations, right? As mm-hmm. a, as a concept, it should be about that. Uh, so quite wonderful. Um, I'm. It's 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 a true true loss uh, that she's not with us anymore. Yeah. yeah. On on many levels. Absolutely, absolutely. It was kind of funny though the way Blairy Man did sort of mirror the online discourse as well. There was that conversation with um, Jordan and Zazie where they're like 
it should be scary monsters it should be more than that but when rod comes in at the end it it was almost like he was saying you can't leave the wonder of all this out of it you know you you've got to have that in there as well so you say it wasn't a coincidence tell me about that no no i mean it it honestly sort of ties back to where we started this conversation right Mm. is that you know we sort of have a belief I, i i really detest the idea of like highbrow, lowbrow, guilty pleasure kind the, the those kinds of discourse, uh, that kind of discourse around art is I think extremely artificial. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I just don't believe in it. And I think, you know, when, you know, when we're, um, so, you know, the, the, there's not this idea that, let me put it this way. When Jordan was pitching get out, when Jordan Peele was pitching get out to studios, that didn't sell like that, by the way, like that was a struggle. There was a lot of people trying to get their heads around it. And the, the diss we would hear was, well, they just kind of feel like it's sort of a, a it's sort of a controversial version of the twilight zone. Right. <laughs> and it's like, and we're like, that's a compliment, isn't it? Like, what is it? You know, what, 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 you know, so, so, so for us, it's like the, the idea that something can be a, as I think, as 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 he says in that in that episode, a campfire story, mm. um, and also be about something else. I I think is a perfectly natural thing and something that we should aspire to do. Mm-hmm. And what it requires, and I think a lot of networks and a lot of studios don't do, and, and CBS has been wonderful about this, has been you have to treat your audience as smart. Yeah, you know, and you can say we can be silly. You know, we can be silly and we can also be trenchant at the same time. And those two things are not at odds with each other. And by the way, this reflects something that Rod Serling dealt with, mm-hmm. right? He was very, he had a lot of this in his own life, this idea of like, am I going down market now by doing scary stories on television? And of course now, right, in retrospect, you look back at it, it's one of these beacons of, of uh, you know, of pop culture of the 20th century. But at the time, there was a lot of feeling of like, oh, well, there's certain parties that Rod might not get, a, you know, might might not get invited to anymore because of that. And yeah. of course, that's just total poppycock. Um, I said poppycock, I think, because you're British. I don't even know if British people actually say Appreciate that. Appreciate the effort, man. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I do, I do, I do, I do what I can. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but but it was very much about that, mm-hmm. and it was very much about you know uh, about um, uh, sort of the the falsehood of of the highbrow, lowbrow dichotomy, which right. I just don't believe in. Now I'm going to ask you about season two and I, and I realize we're in that position where you have to kind of tiptoe around these questions, yes. but we, we will do what we can. We will do what we can. Okay. So I'll just keep it kind of broad. What's different about season two that you can tell us? Season two is funny because it, we came to the, to the room this year with a very open, extremely open mind right Mm. like we had kind of the first season right you're sort of you're really wrestling with this legacy question you know you're trying to figure out how all of these pieces fit together and what makes it the twilight zone and what makes it new and how those things are and i think at this point you know we felt like okay we kind of get it we Mm. sort of know how we want to do it we you know speaking to this question of you know do we read the comments i mean it was interesting to hear what the world thought about it, right? And to see what things press buttons and so we kind of had all that steeped in us. Yeah. And then we were able to let it go. Right. And so you say, okay, so now where are we going to get organically? And so Jordan, who ran the writer's room uh, basically the whole time, 
you know, came in with this sort of goal of let's put a hundred things, a hundred ideas on the board. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out, let's all talk this through and let's all say, let's, let's make this room about, you know, what would be really messed up, you know? And so we sort of started from that gut feeling, mm-hmm. right? Like we kind of started from what are the things that would really blow your mind, right? And sort of, and so there's a certain, there's a certain, um, you know, stoner logic to that first phase of that, where it's just kind of like, who can say something that's so outlandish um, uh, that it kind of gets everyone's attention. And, um, and it worked a lot, I think like a, a comedy writer's room Mm -hmm. in in the, in the beginning, right. Where you're kind of pitching almost jokes, but you're pitching twists, right. And premises and sort of trying to figure that out. And I think, you know, one of uh, Jordan's, uh, among many, but one of his really incredible talents is uh, this ability to trust the process, right? right? And so, you know, and so, you know, whereas there were definitely times where I would get, you know, my producer might be like, okay, so what are, how are we, when are we gonna break these out into things? What are we doing? And Jordan's ability to kind of be like, hold on, we're gonna find it. It'll find us, you know, like we'll get there, you know, and it's incredibly liberating. Um, and of course, uh, he's just really good at this. So that helps, uh, it helps a lot too. And so what we ended up finding this season was if you could call last season about, and I'm still rejecting this political idea, but just to say like, if you could say that it's about looking outward Uh for me, this season is much more about the mirror of that. Right. And the idea of who are we in the world? When we are struggling, when we are dealing with our identities, when we are dealing with um, what it means to be a person in the world, what are we actually talking about? Mm-hmm. And I think that that theme started to come together, you know, within the first the first month or so of the room, and we again ignored it. We're like, okay, that seems like everyone's trying to get to that somehow, and all these different but 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 it doesn't have to be that. Let's be something else. Right. And another month went by. And it kept being that. And so the show kind of told us what it was this season. Mm -hmm. And I think, so what you find, in my opinion, I think you have 10 episodes that are about self. Okay. That you have 10 episodes that are ultimately all in some measure or another about identity. Mm -hmm. And I would also argue that the Twilight Zone in its classic incarnation was also about that as much as it was about the outside world. And so I think, does that answer your question? I guess that's sort, that's sort of, I think, the difference. No, no, absolutely it does. I mean, even, you know, it's all guesswork for, for someone like me at this point, but even reading down the title, they're suggesting to me a more existential kind of show, you know. Yes. Which kind of ties into what you've just said. But there is this subtitle on some of the posters that says escape. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you're not going to tell me what that means either, are you? (laughs) I don't think so. But I think, I think you'll, it'll, I think it will, I think it will all, I mean, look, we, we could get, I think the, I, I I think I'm not going to tell you, but I would just (laughs) say that I think escape, just like everything in the twilight zone is a, um, uh, can be a, a dual sided coin. Yeah. And, and I guess the question I would ask you is if you hear the word escape and you know that our iconography is a door, mm. 
is the twilight zone something you escape into or something you escape from and that i think is the sort of the question that's at the core of 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 this season you wrote your own episode this year i did i did it was really fun yeah so how was it man what can you tell us about that i mean i've seen it so i, I know but for anyone who hasn't seen it yeah it, it, it was a really fun uh it was a really fun process and i hadn't really uh I, you know going into the room this year where i was much more you know present on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. in the in the in the writer's room uh, at least this season and i think one of the um and I didn't really have designs on like writing an episode to be totally frank. Mm. Um, it's sort of like, you know, it was sort of like if there's something that feels right, then I would I'd give it a, I'd give it a go. And um, this episode, it came out of a discussion in the room that initially this idea of these sort of two things that I just thought were such a fun mix, mm-hmm. which was the heist film and body swap comedy. <laughs> <laughs> and sort of how, and so those are just two things. I just love both of those, both of those, those things. And it felt like there was a way to tell a very Twilight Zoney story um, uh, using those two paradigms. Mm. I also like the idea of doing something that felt a little bit real time. You know, that it's not, it's not perfectly real time, by the way, but something that has, you know, I, I had seen, um, I'm a big fan of the Zafty brothers and uh, their film good time, which is just like this, just, you kind of get shot out of a cannon with a heist gone wrong and, um, and sort of leaning into this idea of just twist after twist after twist and combining that with, I think a, one of these just great sci-fi premises, you know, which is the body swap movie uh, Mm -hmm. was just kind of irresistible to me. And it's sort of one of those ones that, I just sort of got it all at once. Like it all just kind of was like, that's your, that's your episode. And, uh, and so that felt like Jordan was like, yeah, you should write that right now, go home and write that right now. And so that's kind of what happened. I mean, you, you juggle a few balls in that episode, don't you? In terms of, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, I don't want to get, get into it on this, but I'm not saying it wasn't hard to follow at all, which is why I think you, you've done a good job, but I just can't imagine being sat where you were, where you're like okay so he's here and so and so is there and i mean you do juggle a lot of balls in it don't you it's well look a lot of credit goes to peter tensio who we directed you know we've known for a really long time he directed a lot of key and peel and that when we kind of got into early conversations about it and even with respect to casting and trying to figure it out i mean he ran rehearsals where different actors would play different parts. And mm-hmm. so they'd all be trying to, you know, almost like you ever see the movie Face Off mm-hmm. with uh, uh, Travolta and Cage, right? He was trying to do that kind of thing where he was trying to get, make sure that, okay, now you guys switch parts and you do the scene again, do the scene again. So they were trying to sort of learn each other's mannerisms or way of speaking and realizing like you're tracking this one guy as he kind of goes through this journey um, was a big directorial feat. I think a lesser director than Peter um, it would have been thoroughly incoherent. Mm-hmm. I also think it's funny when I sent this script to um, Julie McNamara at CBS and our executives there, I was just torturing myself about does the name, how do you write it in a script? Or like, is it, is it, is it the soul is the character or is it the actor that's the character that's literally <laughs> line by line? And I think I ended up switching it like three or four times in every ver- different versions because I couldn't tell what was more intuitive. In fact, I don't even really remember where I landed. 
I'm more that scribbled than I ended up looking like, but um, that's one for the DVD extras is trying to, is showing the different versions of that. So yes, totally, totally confusing. And honestly, a complete, a complete blast, uh, a complete blast to work on. How much did you agonize over the opening and closing narrations? Was that tough because you got to be sailing-esque, but not too sailing and, and you know, Jordan's got to say it. How was that? Very, very complicated. And I think, you know, it's funny. It's one of those things where, you know, in some cases in this season, we've played a little more jazz with it. So we've done, we've sort of pushed it in new directions in different places in part because, you know, we want that to always be there. Um, but we want to make sure that it never feels like, you know, rhythmically or trying to kind of this guy, you know, we're trying to keep that fresh too. So you'll hear Jordan's, narrator character um i think sort of showed different sides of himself in Mm. this uh in this season generally what happens is we have a first draft of that narration um that either comes with the initial script or after or during the second draft yeah so sometimes you know because what that what that does and, and ideally in some cases the ending narration and the beginning narration i can't tell you how many times tom we ended up switching them really it being like, you know what, actually, that's actually the thing you want in the beginning and you're getting to the end. So they're, so they're, they're, they're very connected, like a string throughout the episode. Um, mm-hmm. those, those two thoughts. And, uh, because they're, they're, you know, they're, so there are some sort of rules to how we do those. So we would write them, we would rewrite them, we'd replace them. And then when Jordan came to set to record them, um, we'd usually spend a half a day rewriting again. Right, because it would be like, uh, I don't know. It sounds weird coming out of my mouth. Or is this one too similar to the thing that we said before? Is there a new thing we can find? And it was really fun, you know, to be working with um, this just great batch of directors too, mm-hmm. who were able to kind of pick up what we were putting down and kind of say, okay, well, yeah, that's great because that actually highlights something that I didn't want to highlight before. And um, so they're very important. They're very important because you. I don't. I think that the I'll just say one more thing about this is that sure. I think the, 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 the value of those, um, uh, those narrator pieces couldn't be more important in terms of shaping tone in terms of bringing you back to character in terms of getting you through what we've learned here, mm. but you have to resist them being expository, right? You can't have it ever being something where that the twist is in the narration then you failed, right? Like that's not the job of the narrator. The narrator is there to observe, right? To know more than you know, Mm -hmm. to be ahead of this thing. And so if you're at the end where you end up trying to kind of use it as spackle to like fix a plot hole or something, then you've written the wrong episode and you need to think more deeply. So it's an interesting tool that we're very lucky to be able to, to use and a, 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 a fun, a fun one to work with, but a lot of work. Yes. I got to a point last season where I kind of felt they've gained enough goodwill with me that this is enough like the old show that if they start to push out and do different things to a degree, I'm okay with that because it, it, it's the same enough so I can allow it to be different enough as well. So how, how far can you push the, the boundaries of the Twilight Zone? I think, you know, in some ways, you know, you can do anything, 
I mean, you know, the, I mean, that, that, that it's in a way, you know, right. So the other part, you know, you know, we started this conversation talking about the power of episodic television, right. And so how you get this motor out of it. Right. And, uh, that pushes you episode to episode, what you get out of, the, uh, what you get out of the twilight zone is you get the ability to move in any direction, right. Mm-hmm. You can do a story about any kind of thing in any kind of way. And so I think as long as, I think as long as we're sort of tethered to a few sort of basic premises um, that unite them, um, I don't. I don't feel like there's any real limit. Mm-hmm. What I don't want to do is I don't ever want to do an episode that feels like not a Twilight Zone. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean that that that's the that's the difference, right? Uh-huh. And so there are there are some things that are true. I mean, we talk about them. Uh, you know, one thing that's always been true about the way we've, we've been writing the show is they're personal nightmares, right? Mm-hmm. They're really centered. In fact, in some ways we've actually given ourselves more restrictions than the original, right? We're a little bit less likely to do a period piece than the original. Really? A little bit. Mm-hmm. I think we've been more, it's, 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 and it's honestly just because it helps us sort of frame what are the rules of this, of, of, of this show. Yeah. Um, so generally what you see is the Twilight Zone, I think, is a collision of a flawed person and a piece of magic. Mm-hmm. Those two things collide and you've reached, you've crossed to the first threshold, if you'll pardon my writerly blathering. Uh-huh. And, and at that point, that's where you meet your narrator, right? Who contextually oh yes you have noticed that you've crossed into the twilight zone yeah and and then the rest of the episode is really how that neurosis intertwines with that magic uh-huh. and sometimes it's wish fulfillment sometimes it's um it's uh, a curse usually it's both mm-hmm. and um and hopefully you land at some place where your character has grown in a meaningful way and if you're really lucky, it's in an ironic way. Good, good. All right, well, I'll, I'll close out with the same question that I closed out with last time. And I won't ask you, like, what's your favorite thing? Because that's always too hard to do. And, and I know you can't say too much, but something that you just can't wait for people to see this season or something you think, wow, that really turned out great. Whether it's a performance, whether it's whatever you want. God, there's so there's so many, Tom. I mean, I'm I'm so proud of this season. Mm-hmm. I think you're. I think that the performances are incredible, mm-hmm. and I think that what what I think that what we got this season out of our directors and our performers was an incredible dynamic range. Yeah, and I think you're, some episodes are basically two and three handers, right? Very small, very small stories in one house, one thing. And some are pretty epic. They take you all around the city or in some cases even further. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I think that if there's something that I want people to, um, I can't wait for people to see, it's the fact that we are twilight zoning in all different kinds of um, myriad exciting exciting ways so I, that's me that's a hedge right because i'm not picking a specific thing also like jimmy simpson's awesome by the way so cool. please please uh me in the middle is an incredible episode and and um uh and uh it's one of uh, one of many but uh, i was just watching that again this morning and crushes it it's been such a blast catching up with you again and what i've always 
noticed from day one when we first spoke on Twitter and things like that is that some of the actors, they might go on Jimmy Kimmel or something like that, and Jimmy will be like, so the Twilight Zone, they don't really know much about the Twilight Zone, and I understand why that happens, you know what I mean? Because you've got to sell the show. But the fact that you will come and speak to someone like me and, you know, really get into this is, it means a lot. So I want to thank you on behalf of myself and the fans. So thank you so much, man. Thank thank you, Tom. Um, I, I, I continue to love what you do. I love your perspective. Um, and I think, um, I think the, the reason why I always like talking to you is because I think we share what's essentially a genuine joy around this show and around this work. And so, um, uh, it's, it's, we're, we're kindred spirits and I'm a, a, a long time listener will continue to be a long time listener and a, a guest whenever, whenever, um, you see fit, I'm always happy to come back. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Wayne. Thank you. Be, be well, Tom. Thank you again to Wynne Rosenfeld for taking time out to speak to me about the new Twilight Zone. I thought it was a great conversation and one of the things that really kind of fired my imagination about what he said is this idea of a theme for a season. You know, the first season was about looking outward, what's going on in the world, and the second season is about looking inward. And, and you know, I hope this new show runs and runs so it's quite an interesting prospect to have, you know, five, six, seven seasons with different themes to them. I really like that idea. It's like holding something up to the light and examining it from different perspectives, from, from different viewpoints. So, so that's quite an interesting and exciting prospect for me. But season two of the new Twilight Zone starts tomorrow. I've seen the first three episodes. I'm not going to say any more than that, but... Um, you know, I think we all know the shape of the show now, but it's going to be interesting to see where they take it going forward. And I can't wait. So I hope you all join me then and I will speak to you soon. <laughs>